Well, good morning. You know, last night, uh, it was kind of funny how the Lord kind of deals with me. Like, I, I, wanted, uh, I wanted a glass of wine maybe before, you know, I spoke last night. And so I asked the Lord, hey, can I, can I do that? He said, no. And uh, because I think sometimes I push the envelope a little bit, and I, I guess maybe God would go like, there's no telling where you would go if you were under the influence of some wine. So I, I don't want to do that. But this morning... Uh, first of all, I appreciate it last night as I was speaking and I was watching you and some of you were wiping tears from your eyes as, as the Spirit of the Lord it just comes to minister to us. Uh, as I woke up this morning, I felt that God had put something else. I'm going to finish off to last night's talk. It's only going to take two or three minutes. And then we're going to do something very special together. Uh, we're going to listen to a song. And uh, in, in this song, and I'll come back to it, I want you to hear Jesus speaking to you. I want you just to close your eyes when we listen to it and just hear this song as if the Lord we're speaking to you. Amen? Amen? But this morning when I woke up, God put a few things on my heart. And the first thing is a little bit difficult. The Bible says, for the lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. And a lot of times we can get involved in things that are very harmful to us and not really realize how harmful they are. And so one of the things that God asked me to address or led me to address is the issue of pornography. Uh, we're not going to raise our hands on this. We're not going to go uh, amen on this. But I want you to think, if this is an issue for you, uh, it will destroy your life. And it can destroy your marriage because of where we go with our fantasy life and all that kind of stuff. And your spouse uh, will never end up measuring up to where we go with our heads. Amen? And I want you to understand that it's not just a man issue that today women are getting caught up in this thing. You would never find a woman at a, at a, at a magazine rack in a store. But the enemy through his craftiness, and God says I would not have you ignorant of his devices, he brings it to your house. You know, Fifty Shades of Grey and all of the eroticism that goes with that. You need to be careful what you put in your head. Amen? How many of you have ever seen somebody walking down the street and you knew that person, but you could not remember their name? Has that ever happened to anybody here? Okay. Three days later, you're eating sugar frosted flakes. Poof, that name pops into your head. How many people have had something like that happen to you? Have you ever just wondered how that is? Well, here's the story. Once that stuff is in the computer, it's in there. And so a lot of times when we put this eroticism in our heads, the enemy, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will bring everything to your remembrance that you've learned of him. I think the devil says, I'll bring some stuff to your remembrance too. A lot of times people ask me, well, Bill, how do you handle being on the road so much? I don't get in trouble on the road. I get in trouble when I come home and I'm depleted. And next thing you know, I'm sitting on the couch, flicking around, looking for stuff. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Don't act like you don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> but you have to be careful because sometimes you'll come across something and next thing you're hooked and you find yourself being silly. Uh, Seinfeld said this, and not that I, 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 I quote from him too often, but I like this statement. He says, the last part of the human body that goes to sleep is the finger that operates the remote control. So uh, we need to be careful about that. That's one thing I want to share. <laughs> Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Oh, he's all up in somebody's house right now. Okay. Uh, last night, you know, we, yes, we did that seminar in two parts. Let me tell you how important kids think that seminar is. Uh, at, a, at a camp over 300 weeks, over three rather, three weeks, we had 1,300 kids come to camp. So I do that seminar right in the middle of free time. So I do it because then only the kids who want to really be there are going to come. 900 kids out of 1,300 kids came to that seminar because they carry so much weight. And there's so much stuff going on in their lives. And so some of those kids might be your kids. So sometimes just asking God to open your spiritual eyes so that you can see what's going on around you. Last night when we talk about the issues of forgiveness, and let me have you too. Uh, we talk about the issues of forgiveness. Uh, sometimes we don't want to forgive. Sometimes people have hurt us so bad, I'm not going to get over it. And so sometimes we'll walk around and we're all jammed up. 
And, and here's a story. There's a story in the Bible uh, when Joseph's brothers him, sold him into Egypt, and they came back with that coat of many colors dipped in blood, and they told Jacob that he was dead. Now, the Bible says that God, Jesus, is that you? No. Okay, so the, <laughs> the Bible says, I love it when those phones go off because you can never get to that thing. It's like, <laughs> and it seems like it's hiding on you. <laughs> okay, sorry. All right, so stop. Okay, so, so, so the deal is, though, but when they bring this news to Jacob, now, we heard last night that God is the God of all comfort and mercy. He gives us comfort. He will never force that comfort on you. And so here is Jacob. Jacob hears this news and it says, and Jacob refused to be comforted. He said, I will go to the grave like this. And so when you refuse to be comforted, you're really making yourself miserable. And God stands on the outside desiring to get in, but he won't come unless invited. He will not override your will or my will. Amen? Okay, so hold your hands like this. Okay, how many of you remember when you played with little kids, which hand has the candy in it or which hand has the money? How many people have ever done that or had that done to them? Okay, Here, here's how God is. Now, we're known as sheep. One characteristic of sheep is that they're stupid. Okay, and I'm not calling you stupid, but Jesus says we're sheep. Sheep are stupid. Things equal to the same or equal things are equal to each other. So I'm just saying it's the only thing I remember from school. Okay, <laughs> GED, good enough diploma. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, but I'm glad you finished school. So here's God in, in our silliness and, and maybe our stupidity. He says, I set before you four things, life and death, blessings and curses. God doesn't even wait for you to make the right choice. He says, choose life and live. Life and death. Okay, he said, choose life and live. It's a choice. And that life is available to us through Jesus Christ. I come that you would have life in life like you've never had it before. Amen? Okay, good, thank you very much. All right, so let's get on with this thing. Here's what I want us to do, we'll listen to the song. How many people feel that God has touched you in some kind of way this week? How many of you are like, wow, I wasn't even aware that that stuff was going on in my life, and you hear the word of God or through a song or through prayer, and all of a sudden, boop, there's something there. And so God wants us to go home a different way. And one of the hardest things to get over is ourself because we become so focused in on ourselves, and we just look at all the negative stuff about us and we really don't hear what God is saying to us. There was a day that I cursed myself out and I was using some pretty big bombs. And all of a sudden it just seemed in my heart, God says, I never call you those names. And I was like, you don't? Now how foolish is that? But the enemy had tricked me. So I want us to hear this. And here's what God would say to you. The name of this song is Jesus Speaking, I knew what I was getting into. All right, so just listen to this. Just close your eyes and allow God to minister to us through this. I knew what I was getting into 
It amazes me sometimes uh, where God leads me to share some parts of my own life. And sometimes that's embarrassing for me because then I'm, I'm always concerned about what you all might think about the speaker. But then there are times that God says, you got to get over yourself. So there's one last thing I'm going to share, then I'm going to pray, and then we'll do a quick message uh, to encourage us about what we maybe need to do when we go back home. Um, working at Children's Village is a treatment, it's a, it's a treatment center for emotionally disturbed boys. And the head psychologist there and I became very, very good friends. And I shared my life with him one day. And he said, you know, Bill, kids who have been through stuff like you have been through a prime candidates for same-sex attraction or suicide. Same-sex attraction was never an issue for me, but suicide was. I always had a death wish, first guy through the door, SWAT team, military stuff, all kind of stuff. And I was always putting myself, not really realizing I had a death wish. And uh, as I was walking, the enemy kind of took advantage of that one night. I was going home. Jesus says to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith doesn't fail. And when you're converted, strengthen the brethren. That word converted means to be turned around. Peter doesn't get it. He thinks he's really all of that. He says, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to go to prison. Jesus says, Pete, before the night is out, before the rooster crows, you'll deny three times that you even know me. Well, one night I was going home. I was traveling northbound on the New York State Thruway. There's a bridge just north of New York City, the Tappan Zee Bridge. Uh, I get about a mid-span, and all of a sudden, the forces of darkness have crept into my life in such a way as I was struggling with my walk with Christ that suicide became a real good option. And so I said, I'm going to kill myself tonight. And I pull up next to an 18-wheeler. I had a little Honda at that time, and I go to drive under the wheels of the 18-wheeler. Just before I do this, the Lord speaks into my heart and says, this is how the devil deceives my children into committing suicide. Said it with tremendous authority. And it said that God cared more about me than what I was going through. But I needed to get off this bridge and allow God to work in my heart and in my life and get me back on track. Two weeks later, I'm going southbound, converted, going the opposite direction. I'm on the Tappan Zee Bridge, almost directly opposite to where I wanted to commit suicide. I'm behind an 18-wheeler. I see something flying through the air. I catch it out of the corner of my eye. I hear a voice so powerful that if you put a gun to my head right now, I couldn't tell you if that voice was audible or inward. That voice said, turn your head. 
And I snapped my head to the right, looked down the Hudson River, George Washington Bridge, New York City skyline, and a bar like this came through the windshield of my car and embedded itself in the speedometer. It was awesome. Like, and I had hair at that time. I got glass in my hair and my ear, but I didn't get a scratch. And what had happened, the mud flap on the truck in front of me broke off the iron bar that holds it, separated, hit the rope, right through the windshield. So I catch the truck driver at the toll booth. Hey, this belongs to you, pal. <laughs> so the guy pulls his truck through the toll booth and we start to talking. And as we're talking, he gets angry. He gets angry because I'm not angry. And what I feel is that this is a Holy Spirit Kodak moment. I feel this is God's way of saying to me, Bill, and if I ever wanted to get rid of you, I could. So look at your neighbor, say neighbor. Look at your neighbor, say neighbor. God doesn't want to get rid of you. No, say it with some authority. Say, neighbor. God doesn't want to get rid of you. But there's some stuff in you that's got to go. Now, how many of us can acknowledge we got some stuff that's got to go? Okay. This truck driver is a backslider. He has walked away from Jesus, and before he gets back in that truck, I lay hands on him. He gives his light back to, his, to the Lord, gets in a truck, takes it off into the sunrise. All right, so meanwhile, back at the talk. Okay, so I, I say that to you, that God would want us to have life and life like we've never had it before. Here's what Jesus says to us. He says, the things that I do, you're going to do greater things than these because I'm going back to be with the Father. But the Father will send the Holy Spirit and, and he, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He'll bring all things to your remembrance that you've learned of me. And so as I go into this, let me read to you one of the benefits. As Jesus, if he began his ministry, here's what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Matter of fact, I want you to do this. As I say it, when I finish the sentence, I want you to say, and me too. Because the Bible says he has not the spirit of God, it doesn't belong to him. How many of you are the children of God? Raise your hands. So if you're the children of God, the spirit of God dwells within you. So Jesus says the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. And me too. To set at liberty those who are bound. And me too. The recovery of sight to the blind. And me too. To set at liberty those who are bruised. And, me too. and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And me too. Okay, when God comes to live in your house, life rather, he wants to continue the work that Jesus started on the earth. And Jesus himself says to you and I, regardless of what you and I think about ourselves, the things that I do, you're going to do greater things than these. And I know maybe for some of us, it sounds impossible, and it is impossible if Jesus doesn't step to the forefront in our lives. And so I want to give us a clear picture about that. Jesus says, I come that you would have life and life to the full. So look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. Eternal, life eternal life is more than just living forever. Say, neighbor. It's a quality of life. And I want to talk about what that looks like a little bit. So the Bible says in Luke 9, 51, and when it came time for Jesus to go back to heaven, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers out before him through the land of the Samaritans. Now, Samaritan people were people of blended families. In other words, they were Jews and, and um, uh, Jews and Syrians who had intermarried. And so there was a lot of prejudice there. And the Jews weren't feeling them. And as a result, they weren't feeling the Jews. And so these guys go through. Jesus is on his way back. They want to get a place to stay. And the Samaritans wouldn't do it. And so the disciples came back with an attitude. And they say to Jesus, Lord, they did not entreat us. You want us to rain fire down on them and kill all of them like Elijah did? Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. They didn't learn much from the Prince of Peace. In the King James Version, it says, you don't know what spirit you're of, for the Son of Man did not come to take men's lives, but he came to give life. And so what does that look like? And so we hear this guy come to Jesus the other day as we talked about the young rich ruler. And, you know, what can I do to have eternal life? 
You know what I love about Jesus? You can't put him in a box. He never answers the same question the same way. He, he deals people, he deals with, he heals, he heals blind people all kinds of different ways. He touches some, he spits in the face of others. Can you imagine you went to, Lord, heal me. Next thing you know, you feel spray on your face. You got, what's up with that? Okay, just a thought. Okay, but in the meantime, you can't put him in a box. So here's what it says in the book of Luke in the 10th chapter. Then one of the lawyers stood up to test him. Okay. And he said to him, what can I do to have eternal life? So he asked Jesus the same question. And so uh, when I say a lawyer, not an attorney at law, these guys who studied the first five books of the Bible, they studied the law of God. The Bible says, well, the Bible doesn't say, but tradition says they had the first five books of the Bible memorized. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. if you memorize Deuteronomy, <laughs> oh, you got way too much time on your hands. <laughs> But these guys poured over the scriptures. And so Jesus kind of flips it on him. Well, what is your, what, what, is, what did the Bible say? What, is, what, is, what have you learned? And he says, thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, my soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, quite right. Do this and you will live. So really, it's about love. It's about living a life of love, loving God, loving people. If you and I lived our lives totally loving God and loving others, including ourselves. Can you imagine what our life would look like? Can you imagine what the world would look like if we lived according to that principle? Jesus did not go around not committing sin. Jesus went around doing good. And because he always did good, he never committed sin. Amen? Amen. Say neighbor. neighbor. What's your life looking like lately? Okay. And so willing to justify himself, he says, who then is my neighbor? And I would think, I, I don't know, but maybe Jesus goes, all right. There was a young man that left... Jerusalem to go down to Jericho. Why does he say down? Because Jerusalem is 2,600 feet above sea level. Jericho is 1,300 feet below sea level. It's a 3,900 foot descent. Today, it is the lowest city on the face of the earth. Okay? And it, the road there is about 19 miles long. It's very windy. And it was called the way of blood because bandits used to hang out on that road. And so maybe this guy wasn't thinking, maybe I got this. I could do this. And he, gets, and he starts going. And I guess some bandits saw him. And they jump upon him. And they beat him up. They strip him of his clothing, they take his money, and they leave him on the roadside half dead. And then the Bible says, Jesus speaking, says, a priest came along. And we know that this is a parable, but I said, when I read the Bible, it becomes real to me. And so when I close my eyes, I see this priest coming along, and he sees him. He's a bloody mess. He's not dressed, so you don't know if he's a Jew or a Samaritan or some other kind of person. And he, and he sees him, and the Bible says... He crossed over on the other side. Now, I've been before you for three days. I tell you I'm a police officer. I tell you I've been in the military. I am a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you were there, saw me, but I didn't see you, and I left that man laying on the road, how many of you would be disappointed in Bill? Anybody here? Okay, so here's this guy. He comes along in priestly guard. Maybe the man goes, he's there, he's beat, he's bruised, he's battered, and he looks up, and just, just maybe just squinting through, he sees a priest of all the people, a priest. He could lay hands on me. He could pray for me. He, he can anoint me, ask God's blessing. And all of a sudden, he sees this. And he walks on by. Can you imagine the despair he would feel? And then it says, and a Levite comes along. And Levites were people who assisted the priests in their duties in the temple. And maybe sometimes it's monkey see, monkey do. Doesn't say how far they were apart from each other. Maybe he saw the priest walk around, and he comes along, and he sees him. And maybe this guy, again, only to see this. Now, why do these men walk by? You know why? Because he's bleeding. He has an issue of blood. In other words, he has the cooties. And if I were a priest and I were to touch him, I become contaminated for six days. 
hey, I got to go to Brandon and preach. I got to go tell somebody, hey, I can't be standing put on the sidelines for six days. These people need to hear the word of God. Look at your name, say neighbor. neighbor. Whatever. <laughs> okay, but the deal is maybe he justifies that. Maybe the Levite justifies that. And then Jesus tells this story. So it's amazing. In the, I, just recently, I began to put these two things together. He says, a Samaritan came along. Now, he's talking to Jewish man, a, a keeper of the law, who held Samaritans in great disdain. So Jesus, knows, Jesus really knows how to push your buttons. Then a Samaritan came along riding the donkey. <laughs> and he sees him, and the Bible says, and his heart went out to him. Another translation says, and he had compassion on this man. And so he comes down from his donkey, and he begins to apply oil and, 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 and vinegar, wine rather, to his wounds. He begins to heal him. You know what? The priest carried those things too. That was part of their vestments. They, they carried those things. And he applies it, but that's just not enough. You just can't like bandage him up and leave him here on the roadside. So he picks him up, maybe has to throw him over his shoulder and put him on top of the donkey and he takes him to town. But as he takes him to town, he looks down on himself. And what does he see on his own clothing? Blood is one thing he would see. What else? Dirt. Okay, what else? Oil and wine. Okay. So the things that he even gave out have now come back to him. He got close enough to, to get his cooties. And I want you to think about the people who are around you. I want you to think about the people who you go to work with. I want you to think about them little squirrels that sleep up in the bedrooms in your house. Some of those kids are busted up. Some of those kids are hurting. They don't know how to express it. They don't know what to do. And you need to ask God to open your spiritual eyes. There are people on your jobs. How many of you have ever gone to, job, to work and you've seen somebody Oh, man, they look like they're hurting today. Anybody ever see one of those people at your work? And then and you got what they need. You had not more importantly what they need. You have who they need. The Jesus Christ inside of you. And as I shared yesterday, I, I've never met a kid that didn't want to be forgiven. But a lot feel that they couldn't be forgiven. And I've never met somebody who didn't want to be prayed for. And what is it for us to see their brokenness and to see their hurt and to see maybe their their their, their woundedness? And as we go to work and as we go to our different places in society, in our churches, we need to ask God to open our spiritual eyes so that we can come alongside of people who are hurting and broken. It's great to go home a different way. It's great to, be, to stay different. But what will we do with this difference that God has placed in our lives? How will you live your life? After God has poured himself into you, after God has met you where you are, after God, is the God of all comfort, if, comfort rather, if you've allowed him, has given you some comfort. And now maybe for some of us, we can go home with head held high. Maybe we can go home with our bags a little bit lighter because God has met us here and he's taken some more of our stuff out. What are you going to do with that? How are you and I going to live our lives? I wonder how many times I've stepped out of my house, stepped over Claudia to go out and win the world and she was dying. I wonder how many times I've left my kids behind to go out and save other kids. Not that I save anybody, but Jesus does. I wonder if they ever wondered, does he love them more than he loves me? I just wonder. Probably there have been times like that. And God had to do something about that. So, Bill, if you're going to go out to win the world, win your home first. Charity begins at home to love and to care, to come alongside of people who have the cooties. When you see your child and they're sad, and they, here's the story. If you see a kid and they're sad and you go, what's the matter? 
you know what they're going to say. What are they going to say? Nothing. nothing. And then you just have, really? And so you have to be persistent. You can't go like, okay, well, if you say nothing, it's going to be nothing. You just continue in a real loving and caring way to step into their lives so that they will know that you care about them. And God will give you opportunities to apply healing to their lives. This guy's heart went out to this man. And there's no way in the world he could leave him on that road. And so he takes him to town. And he checks him into a hotel. And he stays with him all night long. And I, I, because I'm visual, I wonder what that would mean to somebody were this a real story. I wonder what it would mean if he were laying in his bed here and every once in a while he opens his eyes and he sees a stranger there. And he sees this stranger come over and put a cool rag on his head or maybe wipe away some of the pus that has begun to come out of those sores. Maybe some more oil. I wonder what he thinks. I wonder what he thinks if he wakes up in the middle of the night and that stranger is talking to somebody in the room who he can't see. But whoever the stranger is talking to, he's talking to him about him. Touch him, Father. Heal him, Lord. Save him. Make him whole. Do not allow him to become bitter. Do not allow him to become resentful. Lift him up from his bed of affliction. Don't let him die. I, I wonder what, it, what, what kind of an impact that that would have. For many of us, they know we're the God people. We're the Jesus folks. What do they think? What do they think of us? Have they felt our compassion? Have they felt our love? Or have they felt our criticism and our judgmental ways? The way we look down at sinners? You know what doesn't jam me up about sinners? Sinners are just people doing what sinners do. They're sinners. Amen? Amen? But they're hurting and they're broken. And whether they ever let Christ come into their life, we have what they need, Jesus. And so he stays with this man all night long. And in the morning, he checks out, though the man stays there, and he tells the innkeeper, gives him a couple of pieces of silver, and he says, if that's not enough, I'll pay the rest when I come back. In other words, I'm, I'm involved with this guy. I'm not just going to leave him like this. I'm going to come back. He's like Arnold Schwarzenegger, I'll be back. You know, and, and, and so he, he, he pays the price. That's what God has called you and I to do. He's called you and I to give our lives. Greater love has no one than this than they would lay down their life for their friends. God is calling us to lay down our lives for this world that is spinning out of control. A world that needs the Jesus who lives within us. As we live in that response. I read one teaching on this. And it says that the Samaritan really is Jesus. Behold, your king comes lowly and riding on an ass. That's what the scriptures say. And Jesus seeing the multitude. See, we always know this verse. The harvest is ripe, the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the vineyard. Before he ever says that, the Bible says, and Jesus seeing the multitude had compassion on him. His heart went out there. And then he talks about the spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed. These shall and signs shall follow those that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You will have power over the forces of darkness. You will be able to cast out demons. Now, you're probably not going to get a chance to do too much of that, but you will get an opportunity to love on some folks, to bring light into their lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ, to speak the truth, but to speak it in love. That's Jesus. He sits high. And he sees low. The Bible says his ears are not dull that they cannot hear. Neither are his arms short that they cannot heal. 
And he comes and he's the healing balm of Gilead. And he, he applies things to the wounds of our lives. He's the one that says, I'm never going to leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always, even until the end of the world. He is the one that heals all of our diseases. He is the one who paid the price. He is the one who's coming back again. And that Jesus lives inside of you. That Jesus lives inside of me. And the only thing he really needs from us is our cooperation. He's not about scaring the hell out of people. He's about loving the hell out of people. The only people he had problems with were religious people. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, don't be that guy. <laughs> and so he finishes this story and he turns to him and he says, well, which one of these guys was the neighbor to the man who was the victim of the bandit? And the guy, I guess he's so stinking prejudiced, he can't even say Samaritan. He goes, like, the one who showed compassion. But you know what I love about Jesus? He doesn't let it hook him. He says, well, you go and do likewise. And the story ends right there. And so God is sending us home to go and do likewise. He sends us home to minister to people. You trust me on this. If you really let God heal and set you free, he will body bomb you with people who are just like you. People who've been through the stuff that you've been through. Without a doubt, if some of you are alcoholics, Jesus will send some alcoholics to you. If some of you were struggling out on drugs, he'll send some folks like that to you. If some of us were just crazy and off the hook, crazy and off the hook people are gonna show up in your life and you'll be able to tell them about this Jesus inside of you. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. By, the grace of God, by the grace of God, I'm going home different. Going home different. Say neighbor, neighbor, and by the power of God, power of God. and me cooperating with him, <laughs> I can stay different. Say, neighbor, neighbor, neighbor. I, pray I pray that God will use me, will use me to, make a difference in this world. to make a difference in this world. And it will start at my home. Father, thank you very much today for these, your sons and daughters, my brothers and sisters. Thank you that you have chosen us. Thank you that that song says, not only do you love us, but you like us. Dang. You knew what you were getting yourself into. Dang. It's amazing. It truly is amazing. Amazing grace is what it is. And it has a sweet sound to it. That you've called us to be lights in a world of darkness. You've called us to be the salt of the earth. But your word says that the salt has lost its saltiness. What good is it for other than to be trodden under the feet of men? Make us salty saints, God. Allow your light to burst forth through us and allow us to be those cities that are set upon hills that cannot be hidden. Open our spiritual eyes and give us understanding and give us great wisdom and insight and discernment and sensitivity and give us compassion, the compassion that Jesus had. Allow the fruit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be manifest in our lives. We thank you for that today. 
there probably some of us think we can't really make that much of a difference. I pray that you'd obliterate those thoughts from our minds. And we would go home living my life of faith, trusting in you, Jesus, who called us just like we are. You knew what you were getting yourself into, and you called us just the same. We could never, ever thank you enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, gang.